here and their baby who should be here shortly hopefully awesome um are there any announcements that are not in the bulletin before i go through any of these or any additions to the announcements so anything with shoe boxes anything with the trunk or treat that we need an addition to or everything's basically well i do have a few things that need to be claimed there's a Harvest party. This was from the harvest party. Anita wants it claimed. If anyone left their oven mitt, and this jacket was uh, down on that road down there. Oh, it's friends. So they'll be up here if you want to get it later. <clears throat> you have to come to the front of the class. Gabe jacket. All right. Um, church work days for fall cleanup and winter prep are October 21st and October 28th. So keep those in mind. There's normally lots of leaves to be moved around. Um, I don't know if we'll be looking into trying to set up the new play set or not, but there will be lots of lists to do before the snow starts flying. Um, trunk or treat. Our church will be hosting the trunk or treat October 29th uh, from 2 to 4 in conjunction with the county police agencies as well. If you'd like to set up a trunk, you just basically decorate the back of your trunk in some nice fall festive uh, decorations and fill it with candy and then give it all away to some unsuspecting family just before you leave because their parents will be super grateful. <laughs> There's a church board meeting November 5th at 6.30 p.m. Quarterly reports are due in the office by Friday morning, November 3rd. That way Cheryl can type them all up and get them ready in time. Um, November 12th will be the fall harvest dinner. I see all you guys are writing this down and putting it in your notes or taking one of these home. Put it right on the fridge and look at it. Um, also... What, what is really cool about these is, remember, these are not just regular old bulletins. These are hand-drawn bulletin covers, front and actually back. So uh, pay attention to those. Who did this one this time? Tatum Bensink did this one this time, front and back. And um, each of you, even the adults, if you want to doodle and make a nice cover to a bulletin, it's really fun and it's really enjoyable to see the artistic nature of a lot of uh, the people in our church. Any other announcements? Operation Christmas Child, November 13th to 20th is the National Collection Week for that. If there's nothing else, then we'll continue. 
Turn your hymn books to hymn number 11. Hymn number 11, O Worship the King. Hymn number 11. O worship the King, all glorious above, O gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilion in splendor and guarded with Bibles to John chapter 15, very familiar passage to many, um, and very uh, timely one for even thinking about this season, the season of harvest. John 15 will be in verses 1 through, I believe, 11. Yes, 1 through 11. I'm reading from the ESV translation. It is great to meet you all. My name is Thomas Hamblin um, from uh, my wife and I, Rebecca and I, we, uh, we live in Angola, but we go to church in First Baptist Church of Hamburg, uh, which, is in the church, which is in the Northeast Fellowship with you all. Anyway, short introduction. I know we'll be introduced a little bit more later. But let's read John 15. You can follow me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We're going to talk a little bit more about this um, in connection with the passage in 2 Peter this morning. But let's just continue to meditate on that truth of abiding in Christ produces fruitfulness in the believer's life. Are we abiding in Christ? And as we continue on, I don't remember, I don't know what the next song is, but I believe... Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. What a great salvation we have in Christ. Amen? Amen. And great victory we have. Let us sing together, Victory in Jesus. If you're looking in your hymnals, it's page 812. Page 812. How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood atoning And I repented of my sin And won the victory Me. 
requests or praises this morning that you want to <clears throat> give before we go to a time of prayer. Nothing. Incredibly quiet. That's okay. We'll go right to a word of prayer then. Gracious Father, we're so grateful for your love for us. As we think of your word, we're grateful that you've given us your word in your scripture, that we might hear it, we might read it, we might learn from it through your spirit, that you might help us grow. We're grateful for Thomas and his wife, Rebecca, being here, and pray that you'll just really bless the ministry. We're looking forward to his being here, and uh, just ask that you'd help us to hear with open ears and heart to your word. We're grateful for the, the involvement you have in our life, that we might know that you're always present and accounted for, and that you understand everything that we're going through, and that you rejoice with us as we rejoice with you and as we praise you, and, and we're grateful that you understand when we go through hard things and that you're there for us. Lord, as we consider the worship songs that we sing, we pray that we might lift them up in a way that would bring glory to you. And we're grateful that you give us the, the musicians and the voices that we can sing and praise you with them. We ask that you would help us to do that and do it with all our heart. Lord, thank you for this time. We're grateful for your presence in our hard times. Continue to help those who are still healing from things that you'd give them the grace to go through that experience and the ability to be patient as you work in their lives. And that you'd help the rest of us to pay attention to you and continue to grow. And we'll thank you for it in your son's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our worship songs. The first will be Crown Him. That's the name of it, Crown Him. <laughs> it's not my life to live It's not my song to sing All I have is His For all eternity
the one done by the goodness of the Lord. I've restored and made right, he got a hold of my life, I've got Jesus, how could I want more? I've got Jesus, how could I want more? I've got Jesus, how could I want more? Now I think the kids are going to come up and sign who you say I am. Yeah, you can all sit down and sing this one, then you can watch them do their... Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me into his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free.
Cheryl said, um, oh, you know, the kids are expecting to come up for that song. So we had to make sure they could come up and, and sing it since they were expecting it. It's been nice to have them able to do those signs, and it adds to the music. So we're grateful. Oh, clipboards are over there, and those ages four to seven out back. Okay. Okay, uh, today we have a special speaker. Thomas Hamblin and his wife, Rebecca, and uh, she is quite pregnant, just so you might as well have it out there that way, nobody's wondering, and, uh, and she's, so she's back, I uh, expected to deliver in two weeks, that's the expectation, now that doesn't mean that's what will happen, and uh, we were even prepared to have Josh preach if was necessary, but that didn't happen, so that's great, and uh, so Thomas is from uh, Hamburg. He's at the church in Hamburg. They live in Angola. But he's been in an internship there for two years, uh, part of Northeast Fellowship's internship program, and we're grateful for his being willing to fill the pulpit today. So, Thomas? Do you like to be called Thomas or Tom? Either way. Okay. Yeah. I'm the same way. I just didn't know what to say. Oh, really? I've been finding a lot of Toms in this church. I'm like, yes, wow. Considerable number. Our church doesn't have any, so I'm like the only of a kind. But now I'm like, wow, this is cool. There's more of us. No, it's great to have, it's great to be here this morning. Um, yeah, so I'm, it's been a huge blessing to be able to come here. My wife and I have been praying for this morning and praying for you as, we've been in, I, as I've been in preparation for um, this morning and gathering with you. Send greetings from First Baptist Church of Hamburg. Um, they uh, are praying for you and me, and, and we should be praying for them this morning as the Lord is doing his work around New York State, right? All across New York State and across the country and really around the world. Um, many churches are meeting in the morning. Some even meet at night on Sundays. So we should definitely keep them in prayer as there is definitely a huge need for the gospel to go up, for churches to worship rightly before the Lord, which is exactly what Second Peter is about. So why don't we pray? And just dedicate our time to the Lord, and then we'll go into the book of Second Peter, and um, and yeah, we'll just enjoy our time together in the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Word that it is a gift to us. We're thankful that you have opened our eyes to the truth of the gospel, that you've made us new in Christ, that we are now your children. We've been set free. We're chosen. What a great gift of grace that you have lavished upon us by the blood of Christ. I'm thankful that we get to um, have the freedom to, to gather here um, on a Sunday morning uh, without much persecution in, the, in these days here in the United States. And we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who some gather with freedom, some don't, um, but they do so in love of you. Would you help us to grow in our love for one another, for the church around the world, our brothers and sisters? We think about even other nations that are raging and the wars that abound. And Lord, we know that you are above all of that. 
We love you. We look forward to your return. And we pray that you would just bless this time as we open your word, that you would be glorified through the preaching of your word, um, that we would be encouraged and challenged and nourished by your word. We love you. We look forward to what you, what you have in store this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So open your Bibles to the book of 2 Peter. And I thought it appropriate, earlier we read John 15, and actually I didn't even realize, I mean, it was kind of cool that you already have John 15 up here on the stage, and we will touch on that verse later on. Um, it's, a, it's a very dear heart verse to my heart. Um, but it is, I think it's appropriate to, to read John 15, talking about abiding in Christ so that we may bear fruit. You think about even this season we're in, right? Harvest season, where there's a lot of fruit being born, right? There's, there's a lot of fruit as harvest. There's people gathering different crops. I believe um, many of you or even some of you might be farmers and you're in an agricultural community. And this is a season where you're seeing the product of the work that was done in the past. And of course, there's work being done now, but you're seeing a lot of diligent hard work coming to fruition, hopefully. Um, of course, there's weather and there's different things and different aspects and diseases that come around and can challenge different things. But you see a lot of that happening. And th- that truth is, it really applies to a lot of our lives. You see that principle where we work hard to produce something, right? We work hard and um, we see that in the realm of sports where you, the more you train, the better you're able to accomplish um, a goal of some sort, whether it's running a race or playing a football game or whatever it might be, the more you train, the more you prepare for the fruit that is going to come. Same thing with farming. Um, we see that in, in, in our culture and in, in a lot of different ways, we see that principle going around. Um, we, see the, we see these truths, and can you think of where Scripture talks about bearing fruit? We read one of them in John 15, but even think in your mind, what are some places in Scripture where um, fruit is an important part of an analogy that God uses, right? You think of maybe Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands away of sinners, nor sits in the sea of scoffers. But in his delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree that is planted by streams of water, right? Bears fruit in its seasons, We might think of something like Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You might have a song that, I don't know, sometimes there's songs that are out there um, that are used. Um, There's a lot of different passages. Jeremiah 17 actually talks, is a kind of a parallel passage to Psalm 1, talking about bearing fruit. Matthew gives a lot of analogies where there's the, the, the sower in Matthew 13, right? He, he sows the seeds and there's different soils that receive the word of God, really the gospel, and they bear different kind of fruit. Some actually don't even bear at all. And you see in scripture, this is a very common analogy because it comes from an agricultural culture. And so it's interesting that I, I believe Ripley is kind of agricultural. And I, from what I understand, um, Beck and I, we lived in Eden for about two years almost. And then we just moved to Angola, which is more like beach community. But Eden is also a farm community. We had farms all around us. It was really a beautiful place. I love farmlands, especially in the fall. But in that, there's, um, there's these principles of uh, <clears throat> fruitfulness comes from hard work. Right? It takes hard work to produce fruit. And part of it is also patience and, and of course, 
we, we can't really cause a plant to grow, but really God is the one who grants the growth. I know a lot of you are reading um, First and Second Corinthians, I'm guessing, through Sunday school, and it's one man waters, another man plants, but it's the Lord who grants the growth. And we recognize that even with um, the Lord provides the sunshine, right, for, for fruits to grow and, and different um, produce and all of that. And so with that, there's this analogy that is used for hard work, Discipline, a lot of sacrifice comes, and then there's fruit that comes later. In due season, you shall reap. Galatians talks about that. Um, however, sometimes we can forget this principle when it comes to our spiritual life. Sometimes. We, we can be forgetful. And I think that's where Peter is trying to get at in First Peter, um, I mean, Second Peter chapter 1. He, he, he kind of focuses on that. And I think in this passage, in 2 Peter 1, this is actually a key part of the whole book. Because this is the first command he gives in the book. He does talk about our position in Christ. He talks about the, divine, the power that is given to us, right? Um, the power in verse 3, his divine power is granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, right? So he's describing this great salvation we have. And then he talks about the very precious promises that we have in Christ, that we're thankful that we are a child of God. We are children. We, have, we get to partake in something that will happen. That's what hope is. It's expectation on something that truly will happen one day. We're thankful for that. And then, and then, he, and then he says, you, you have these promises. You see this in verse um, Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Or some, would, uh, some will say sharers or um, will have fellowship with the, the divine nature. The word there is really have fellowship. It's this idea of close communion with the divine nature. Fellowship with God. And his purpose is there is that you need, as a as body of believers, you have this position now, walk in fellowship with God. Live a life that is pro- productive, that's producing, that's growing in Christ. And this emphasis on the knowledge of Christ and growth is all throughout the book of 2 Peter. You even see in the very last verse of 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3.18, if, if you have your Bible. You don't, it's not on the screen, but um, it, it's uh, 3.18. It says this. It says, but grow... And the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so Peter's emphasis in this book is really that you grow. You grow in the knowledge of Christ. That you be fruitful. And that will be your protection from false teachers. Is when you grow in Christ. You'll see in this passage as we get into um, verses 5 through 11 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, You'll see that he gives a description of a fruitful church and fruitfulness um, for the body of believers. And then later on, you'll see um, in chapter 2 that he gives a portrait of a fruitless false teacher, basically, is what it is. Portrait of what a healthy church is, portrait of what an unhealthy teacher is. And I think he does that because he's contrasting them. He doesn't address an actual specific teaching in the book of 2 Peter. I mean, there are, there are um, connotations that could be towards Judaizers or different things in the book of 2 Peter. But what he's doing is he's, showing, he's, he's emphasizing the fruit. 
What kind of life are you living as a result of the doctrine that is being taught? Right? We are not to just be hearers of the word only, but doers also. We're supposed to be living as a church. And so as we get into this passage, um, he makes his first urge and encouragement in this book. And I think it's really it's telling for us and a reminder for us um, that as in order to be partakers of this divine nature, we need to be producers. You'll see this in verse 5. Follow along with me. It says this, for this very reason. For what reason? For the reason that, you see right back in verse 4, so that through them you become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. By these promises that are in Christ, you can be partakers in Christ. And for this reason, for the reason of being partakers, this is what you need to do. This is why you need to do that. In order to have fellowship with God. In order to be close. Remember we were just reading in in John 15. Jesus said that we are to, he says these things so that our joy may be full. Only true joy is found in true fellowship with God, in true closeness, when we abide, when we bear fruit and seek to know and grow in Christ all the more. So in verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort. Now that word, those three words, is really one word in the original language. And make every effort, in some translations will say, giving all diligence. If you notice, you look down in verse uh, 10, it says, this, it's the same word. It says this, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. And then further down in the passage, um, in verse 15 of chapter 1, it says, I will make every effort after my departure that you may be able to, uh, at any time to recall these things. He loves that word. It's really to be diligent, to hasten. And actually in chapter 3, he uses the same word. In 3.12, it says, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Or urgently being diligent, waiting for, being active is the idea. And as we we go through this morning, as we think through even these passages, really we're going to think through fruitfulness. And the first, the first principle that I, I kind of see here is fruitfulness is found in diligence. Even as a farmer, they, 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 um, they, they prepare. They need to be diligent about their work. You know, in Proverbs, it talks about the lazy man, right? You, you walk by the, the, the garden of the lazy man, and I can take, um, I can take uh, uh, a lesson from that when the lazy man doesn't work and he doesn't plow for food in his season, and he'll, so he doesn't reap. There's a sense of diligence that is needed for fruitfulness. And that's what Peter is trying to challenge here, is that we would be diligent and fruitful in our lives, in our our spiritual life as we grow, that we wouldn't become apathetic because that's the most dangerous position to be in. That's where false teachers can draw us aside. So look what it says in verse verse 5. Make every effort, effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Now, wait a second. Is he saying that we need to add to our faith? I thought salvation is by faith alone, in Christ alone. It is. And that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, oh, you need to just do faith plus works, and, and then you have this um, works-based salvation. No, that's not what Scripture is talking about. The word supplement there, it means to richly supply. It means to give us support underneath. Um, it gives the idea of... Um, 
adding or supplying substance to. You know, in James, where um, James is writing, and he says, um, <clears throat> he says that I will show you my faith by my works. It's not that works saves us, right? Salvation is by grace alone, right? In faith, by faith, in Christ alone. It is a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast, right? The, the reason for our fruitfulness should not be for our own glory. If it is for our own glory, it's not fruitful. The reason for our fruitfulness should be for the glory of God, that he would be honored and glory and glorified both now and to the day of eternity, as even 2 Peter adds, right? So this fruitfulness is found in diligence, and it's diligence in this supplementing your faith. Now, he gets into a list here um, we'll get into in a moment. And sometimes we come, come to a list of, like, qualities. You think of, like, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And you, you kind of get a little overwhelmed because you're like, wow, these are all these qualities, and I think I've failed in at least one or maybe all of them. You know, you're like, wow, um, what do I do? You know, it's like, oh, I can't do, you know, I, I haven't done that perfectly. Oh, I haven't done that perfectly. And I don't think he's giving a list so that we have to, I mean, it is a list for us to keep before us, right? This is what a healthy believer, a healthy church should be like. But I think it's also um, giving this picture or portrait of a goal that we should strive towards as a church. And the result of what we do, what happens when we grow and know Christ more. Now, this word supplement your faith, right? This adding to your faith, supplying more substance. The word originally means, it's, it's in the original Greek culture. It's a very interesting word. It's unique because it, um, you know how we have uh, classical music, right, out there with choirs and orchestras and all of that. And it all came from the classical Greek period. And the reason they had that kind of music was because there were people that decided, I need to, um, I want to, pay for this group of musicians to then play. And that's kind of the word that's being used here. It's somebody who pays and furnishes for a chorus to play a beautiful um, orchestra or a beautiful opera of some sort. And the idea is, and the word is used later on in, in culture and in history, um, for somebody who, who pays out of their own pocket, pocket to supply overly and abundantly for an army to be well-equipped is the idea. It's this idea of, this is, this is not only just an orchestra, but this is, I'm going to lavishly supply and furnish this orchestra so it can play well. Now think of that in, in terms of even the scripture. He says, add to your faith. If you claim to be a believer, do we supply the fruit of that? I mean, if, we claim, if you claim to be in faith, if we claim to be a believer, do we supply the fruit that we are actually believers? Faith without works is dead. If we don't live like we claim to believe, maybe we're not truly a believer. Or maybe we're walking in disobedience to the Lord, right? And he shows discipline in that. Fruitfulness is found in diligence. And so this word is used, supplement your faith. It's, it's the supply to furnish. And then he goes into it. He says, supplement your faith. And there's seven qualities, seven qualities um, that are found in, in this um, thing. And I think he's using seven because it, seven is kind of the perfect number. And you think of the Jewish mentality, seven, seven is perfect. And he's thinking of the perfect 
whole, well-rounded believer. And we're going to go through these qualities really quick. Um, there's a lot of them, and we'll just, we'll just hit each one of them at a time. But what is, um, what is interesting is that we see the first one. It says this, um, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is this idea of literally having excellent character. How many times in our culture do we ever see somebody saying, oh, this person is so virtuous? We don't see that, right? Culture pushes the other direction. They don't like excellence, right? They want somebody who is, I don't know, not virtuous, who does whatever he wants or she wants or lives for yourself, right? It's nothing of, of, uh, of, um, of great character. It's usually something lack of character. It's this idea of upright character, acts of righteousness. You think of even um, like, the, vic- like the, the heroes that are in our movies today, right? Usually the hero is some person that is a drunkard, has a terrible family life, and can't do these, these things well, but somehow then it works out and they win, right? You don't see somebody who's um, being portrayed as they're an upright person, they have, they, they're a good father, um, and... And so, there's sometimes movies out there, but and and they're they're just temperate and everything. They're just they're just upright and, and well balanced. You don't see that. Our culture pushes against it. So virtue, add to your faith virtue. Pursue virtue. What's interesting is in Second Peter one three, that's the same quality that God has called us to. Look what it says in 1.3. It says this. His divine power, to, power has granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness to knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. That's the same word. Virtue. We've been called to virtue. What's the next thing? Knowledge. Look what it says. Supplement your faith with, um, with virtue and virtue with knowledge. Knowledge is a key term in 2 Peter. It's used all over um, the book. Really, the word is usually used is full knowledge of God, right? You see it in, in 1 Peter, uh, 2 Peter 1.3, and you see it throughout. Um, but where is true knowledge found? It's found in fearing the Lord. It's found in the truth of God. Paul's prayer to the Colossian believers was that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? Are we seeking to know Christ? Look what even Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. It says, do not be conformed, right, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to discern what the will of the Lord is, to have wise wisdom and knowledge to understand what God's will is. Now, there is knowledge out there. There's, there's different areas that the Bible doesn't talk about, but the Bible has the full knowledge of God. There's no other knowledge out there outside of Scripture that, that has a better understanding of who God is. This is his special revelation. Second Peter, Peter will get into that later in, in chapter, um, later in chapter 1. But... Um, are we, what are we filling our minds with? Are we filling our minds with the knowledge of God? Are we renewing, transforming our minds, not being conformed to the knowledge of this world? Even We started Romans um, this morning in, uh, in Sunday school, the adult Sunday school. And at the end of Romans, um, this is what Paul says. He says this, 
Um, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Boy, how we sometimes have the opposite of that. Maybe if you've grown up in a worldly life, right? And, you, and maybe you got saved later in life. You have a lot of knowledge of the world, of what is evil. The cool thing is, is you've been washed, right? You've been sanctified. Are we growing in the knowledge of the Lord and what is good? Sometimes what is evil is sometimes a little more tempting to know, right? We look at the news like, oh, this person is having this relationship with that person. Well, we don't need to know about that, right? We need to be growing in the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of him. So supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, virtue with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. This is an interesting one. Literally, it means to have restraint over one's emotions, impulses, desires. Man, if our culture could get this today. But boy, they are opposite of this one, right? Life is all about what I feel like doing, what I want. I identify with what I feel instead of what God says, who he says I am, right? Right, we think about that, in the, in, and you see this. How many times are we told to follow our heart? How many times do, to, to, are we told to do what you feel like doing with your career, with your, with your decisions in life, with, oh, what I want to eat today? I mean, you could, you know, some, with eating, I guess you can, if you're in the appetite for something. But with that, it's, we, we, are, we are so set on doing what our feelings are, following our dreams, self-care, those different things, where it's all about the self. What's interesting is self-control is the opposite of that. The believer in Christ is to deny self, to take up the cross daily and follow Christ. Nowhere in Scripture does God condone following our feelings, right? It's, it's, it's interesting that um, this is taught in our schools, though. It's taught in our, um, in, 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 in our media. Disney movies is a very big one. Follow your heart, Right? We don't, we shouldn't do that, right? The heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can comprehend? We need the Lord, not ourselves, not what we feel. This self-control is, is basically having mastery, restraining ourself, which is in contrast with false teachers. In 2.18, it says that false teachers actually are given to their lusts or their sensual desires, what they feel like doing. You see in that protection, if we are self-controlled, we're going to notice those who are not. Supplement your faith with self-control and self-control with steadfastness. Um, uh, some, some translations might say perseverance or patience. Uh, the word there is very interesting in that it's never used in 1 Peter. But 1 Peter talks about trials. Oftentimes we think of um, steadfastness, we think of James 1, right? Um, when you, when you're facing trials, right? And trials, they, they refine you and steadfastness will produce good character. But in 1 Peter, Peter doesn't write and say, have steadfastness because he's teaching that not only are we supposed to, I mean, we are supposed to remain under trial and persevere, but trials, his focus is more on, they refine your character. And that's what 1 Peter 1, 6 is talking about, Right? Your faith that is more precious than gold, right? Though it perishes, that gold that perishes, though it is refined by fire, may result at the glory and honor and praise of the glory uh, at the presence of Jesus Christ. And so, in that, um, 
It's interesting that here he now uses the word in 2 Peter, when he's not really talking about trials, but he's talking about false teachers. But as a believer, we are to, we are to have this, instead of, encouraging, um, <clears throat> instead of encouraging them to do that in 1 Peter, he's encouraging them to um, remember that trials were fine. Now, to remain under trial or pressure, persecution can only be done with a certain hope of the future. Right? Hebrews 12.1 talks about that. Right? We run with endurance the race that is marked out for us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's our hope. He lives. He's alive. We have a hope no matter what terrible things happen today. We have to make that decision. Are we willing to endure challenges and not just receive them, but choose to face the challenge as they come? The next one, supplement your faith with godliness. This idea of, um, of uprightness. False worship um, lacks reverence towards God, but godliness is reverence towards God. It's this idea of half-hearted worship lacks reverence for God. True worship will be fleshed out in true living. One commentator said it like this, that, that the Greek word that was used for godliness to describe someone uh, who practiced all the righteous religious rituals in life. And then the Christians kind of use that to talk about um, believers and how there's a regular practice that we are to have. Hence why in 1 Timothy, Paul uses that word the most, godliness. He uses it in 4.8 and he says, for bodily exercise profits a little. Right? So bodily exercise takes diligence, right? It takes work, it takes practice, regular rituals of rituals or habits, right? Regular habits to keep yourself well trained. And then he contrasts it with godliness. Spiritual discipline is the idea, right? But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that is now, that now is, and of the life that is to come. Then we are to supplement our faith with brotherly affection. Right, this idea of Philadelphia. Notice that the former qualities that are here were um, were all internal, personal of the heart, but then that overflows to an external, brotherly affection, or in other words, brotherly love. Right, the word Philadelphia we get from that, an affection for God that will result in an affection for our brothers, as we interact with one another at church, as we go home, as we interact with one another at home. Or when we go about our week, do we really care like they're our family? The blood of Christ has purchased us, made us new. That now, you guys and myself, we have a closer bond than even our family members. For eternity, we're going to spend time together, worshiping our Savior. That's close. Do we have that brotherly affection? We think about the churches around the world. We have brothers and sisters who are closer to us because of the blood of Christ that are suffering right now because they're standing for Christ. Are we praying for them? You know, we share prayer requests of family members, which is good. That's very good, important. We, we need to care for our family. That's actually foundational for even uh, believers um, in in. First Timothy 5, it talks about caring for your own family. And if you don't care for your own family, then you're worse than an unbeliever because unbelievers care for their own family. 
we should care for our family. But what about our family of God? What about those who are suffering day by day in other countries? Or even here, you know? What about the person that um, you don't normally talk to? Are we showing that brotherly love and affection to even one another? Maybe the person that's not as enjoyable to talk to, right? That, but you know they're a believer. Are we showing that we are true believers, that we actually have a bond in Christ? Are we being diligent in that? And of course, brotherly affection can only be rooted and displayed out of a love for Christ, out of, from the blood of Christ. Hence why he says, with love, at the very end. Knowledge, with knowledge, self-control, self-control steadfastness, steadfastness. Um, with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. So these are the qualities, right, that, that are there. Um, and <clears throat> the whole of these qualities found in this passage gives a portrait of the healthy and fruitful church. I know we went through that. There's a lot there, and there's a lot of detail in each one. And sometimes that can become monotonous, but he's writing that for a reason, for us to keep before us. Sometimes it can be discouraged to think about these qualities and think, yeah, no, I, I'm not good at that one, or I'm not good at that one, or I haven't done that one perfectly. And like, oh, now I have to try to do all of them all at once? We can get defeated. Be encouraged. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, right? That's a promise we can hold on to. We've been giving all these precious promises in Christ. He will continue that work. And in fact, sometimes we get discouraged with our own struggles in life, but who has given us the power to live out all life and godliness? It's through the knowledge of Christ, his divine power, that same power that saved you from the grave has the same power that has, is, is enabling you to live the life that God calls you to live. He enables you to live it through, the, the, for our, through our pursuing personal relationship with him every day, day by day. Do you love Jesus? No, like, do you really love him? May we continue to know and grow him every day. Growing in the grace and knowledge of him. And where does that start? His word, right? Meditating on it day and night. So fruitfulness is found in diligence, but it also it determines usefulness. Look what it says and continues on here um, in verse, <clears throat> verse 8. It says this, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if they're yours, and not only are they, if they're yours, you possess them, but if they're increasing, the word actually means to have a plethora, to be overflowing in it, to be abounding in it. If they're yours and increasing, what happens? They keep you. Now, usually when we think of the word keep, we think of like protection, right? And that is kind of the word that's used there. But really that word actually means they guide you, they direct you in a certain direction. They keep you, they guide you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. You could either be useful and they protect you from being useful, useless but, or this is what happens. Look at verse 9. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, 
having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Look over in 1 John really quick in chapter 2. 1 John 2. Look at verse 9. Whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Same word used as back here in 1 Peter. Right? Look, just keep your finger in 1 John. Listen to what it says again. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Right? And we just here see um, in 2, 9, right, that, and there is no cause for stumbling. In verse 11, look what it says. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. Sounds like you're blind, right? And walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It is possible as believers for us to be blind, to be stumbling. It's possible for us to walk in disobedience to our Lord. It's a dangerous place to be in, though, because he disciplines. Would you rather be useful to the Lord, advancing his kingdom, walking in fellowship with him where your joy is full? Or would you rather be stumbling and even to the point where, look what it says. For it lacks these qualities so necessary that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. That you're so engrossed in sin that you even forget the weight of sin. Sometimes we can get so caught up in sin or we, get, we can believe the lie that sin is good that we forget the weight it really is, the judgment of God and how we have been cleansed, we've been washed. Thankful for the Lord's discipline that he disciplines his children. In that. So, it determines our usefulness. Faith without works is dead. We're not useful to the Lord. We're not, um, we're fruitless, of no value. It's even when, the, when, the, when there's a branch that doesn't produce fruit, what happens? It gets pruned, or it gets cut off, I should say. And then those who do produce fruit, they're pruned, right? We go through trials sometimes, and it refines our faith. It determines our usefulness. Last thing is that fruitfulness assures the believer. Look what it says, continuing on. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. Hmm. To confirm your calling. Why to confirm your calling and election? Don't we have confidence in Christ? Yeah, we do, right? Anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And those who do believe are called, right? And we, we know of the election, the elect, right? That you are called and I have been chosen. I'm not forsaken. I am who you say I am. But sometimes when a believer doesn't live the life that they're called to live, it's hard for others to recognize if they're really called, if they're really a true believer. On top of that, sometimes it causes insecurity in ourselves. Am I truly a believer in Christ if I'm not living the life of God? If I'm not living out 
if I'm not bearing fruit. Now, of course, we have struggles and sins in life, right? We have things that we wrestle through. But this idea of living out godliness, it gives assurance. Not only that, it actually, it gives us an expectation, something we look forward to. Look what it continues to say. Confirm our calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Or this idea of you won't stumble. It'll protect you in the path that you walk. For in this way, you, uh, in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want you to think about this. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to finish here. First Corinthians three. Um, oh. in verse ten. Now this is in the context of how God grants the growth, and really we're not supposed to follow. We're not supposed to say, "I'm of Paul," "I'm of Paulos," and all of that. But he talks about the wisdom of God and how we need to seek the Lord. And he's the one who grants the growth, right? It is God's building. He's building the church. But notice what it says. According to the grace of God, chapter 3, verse 10. Given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, right? So Paul laid this foundation as an apostle, right? And that's what the apostles did. They laid the foundation. They wrote the scriptures that, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have. I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now, this is a warning to teachers, but it's also a warning to ourselves, too. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. This is the judgment seat of Christ. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Yes, we are believers in Christ. And we have so great a salvation. We have all these riches in Christ. But there is a reward for those who live out godliness. That's what he's saying. These are two believers. He will receive a reward. Uh, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. You could be saved, but if your life is lived for yourself or you're not living a fruitful life, you're saved, but you suffer loss. One day we will all stand before Christ. Are we diligently producing the right fruit? Are we day by day pressing into Christ? His word is our foundation. Are we knowing him and growing in him more? It takes diligence. It takes hard work. It takes sacrifice. Sometimes it means saying no to something. Maybe something we like to enjoy doing as a pastime and focusing on our spiritual growth in God's word. As we close, maybe, maybe for you, maybe it is, we need to continue on in 
Am I, am I supplementing my faith? Am I a diligently? Maybe there's an area I need to continue to grow in. Virtue, knowledge, self-control. Am I being useful? Or maybe you need to be encouraged. Be assured that if you are a believer in Christ, you are saved. Now, show that salvation to others. Live it out. And show that you are one of the called. Confirm your calling and election to the church. What's encouraging is um, his, work, his word does not return void in our lives. The more you spend time in God's word, it won't return void, especially, well, if you're a believer in Christ, because the spirit of God uses the word of God to convict and change the man or woman of God, right? May we continue to go to his word as the more sure prophetic word the only precious word and message of hope and encouragement in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We were reminded to be fruitful as believers, to be all the more diligent, to add to our faith, not adding to our faith a sufficiency for the gospel, but showing and giving the outworking of who we really are in Christ. Lord, help us to see the weight of this, the importance of this, that one day, we will give an account for how we live. Lord, help us to live a life that is worthy of our calling. Thank you so much that you have called us. Lord, we pray that you would, um, you would protect us from the evil one, from the lies of the evil one, that you would protect us from the deceitfulness of this world right, that can entice us and is calling for us to walk in laziness spiritually. Help us to walk in diligence and in hastening your day when you will return. Help us to love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your hymn books to 529 and we'll stand and sing day by day. Certainly a uh, Second Peter encourages us to draw close and to continue our growth, encourages us to know who we are, and as a result of that knowledge, to know what we need, that we need to keep growing and keep doing that no matter how old we get. We still have a lot of growth we can do. So let's sing day by day together. <clears throat> Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, gives unto each day what he deems best lovingly it's part of pain and pleasure mingling toil with peace and rest every day the lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour all my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name 
his counselor and power, the protection of his child and treasure, is a charge that on himself he lay. As the days thy strength shall be in measure, this a pledge to me he Help me then in every tribulation, so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith, sweet consolation, offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's hand. One by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. Gracious Father, we're thankful for your word. Thankful for songs that remind us and songs that often go with a message. Just the idea that, Lord, you have given us your precious promises, great as they are, to encourage us, to remind us of the work you're doing in our lives. Help us to so focus on that that we might grow in a quick manner, strong and, and ready to live for you knowing that always at our very side you are walking with us. Help us as we leave today to put your scripture to use in our lives. Help us to grow, to remember your presence. To Lord, as Peter says, to be reminded that we have such a great salvation. And then to be able to flesh that out, to walk as a believer. Thank you for the message today. Thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. Dismiss us now, Lord, to live for you in Christ, your Son's name. Amen.